Hi, welcome to Clayton's Business. Today we'll be covering key influences in human resource management. When you hear this sound, it will be followed by a key syllabus dot point, so feel free to stop at any time if there's anything you don't understand. Stakeholders. So the employment relationship extends beyond that of the employer and the employee, because of the nature of employment relations in Australia, that also means that there's other stakeholders involved. So each of these wants to protect and promote their own interests. So the six stakeholders include government organisations, employees, unions, employers, society and employer organisations. Employers. So an employer is the organisation or individual that pays others to work for the business. So the employers are often the owners of the business and take responsibility for ensuring the business has the right staff um, to achieve the goals. In larger businesses, the shareholders generally appoint a group of managers to take on this responsibility. A lot of large businesses have an HR department and the focus of that department is the management of employee-related issues, therefore allowed the managers to specialise in different operations of the business. Employees. So an employee is an individual who provides his or her skills to a business in return for income, which is normally quite regular. It's the responsibility of employees to complete their tasks in a manner that's lawfully described by the employer. And while income is still something that's really important, many employees are seeking a greater recognition of the role that, say, family and leisure have in their lives. So with the assistance of trade unions, employees have encouraged employers to introduce many initiatives which are aimed at developing family-friendly practices. So these could be childcare centres, part-time work or paid maternity leave. Employer associations. So these are organisations that want to promote the interests of employees in the business environment. So they'll pursue governments to develop policies that enhance the interests of the employer within the employee-employer relationship. So these associations will also speak to governments on changes to policy issues. So if there's a trade or an industry assistance scheme, that would be an example. Uh, an example of an employee association in Australia would be the Business Council of Australia, the National Farmers Federation or the Teachers Federation. Unions. So unions an organisation that wants to protect and promote the interests of employees within the workplace. So unions would assist employees with disputes in the workplace. They also act as a bargaining agent if there's any wage negotiations. They would also advise members on things like wage levels, WHS issues, workplace rights. And some of the examples of these unions might be the New South Wales Nurses Association, Australian Liquor, Hospitality and Miscellaneous Workers Union. Government organisations. So there are various questions related to government organisations. What is an award? So an award's a legal document specifying the minimum working conditions. What are working conditions? Well, they're the non-wage features of an employee's workplace contract. What is a certified agreement? So a certified agreement's an agreement that's negotiated between the employer and all its employees. What is the better off overall test? So this is used by Fair Work Commission to examine whether employees will be any worse off if they sign a new wage agreement. What is an industrial dispute? 
Well, this is a problem that arises between an employer and either a group of employees or an individual employee at a workplace. What is conciliation? So conciliation is used where the Fair Work Commission offers some suggestions to help resolve the dispute. These aren't legally binding. What is arbitration? So arbitration involves a commissioner that hears the cases put forward by both parties and then makes a decision which is legally binding. What is the Fair Work Commission? So they used to be known as Fair Work Australia and it was established in 2010. This then became the Fair Work Commission in 2012. What they do is they encourage the prevention and settlement of industrial disputes between employees and employees through conciliation and arbitration. Who are the Federal Court of Australia? Well, that acts as an avenue for any appeal regarding decisions made by the Fair Work Commission. Society. So it's widely accepted that workplace practices are reflective of behaviours that are upheld in society. So things like perceived discrimination, harassment, working conditions that aren't fair, are generally publicised in the media on a regular basis. Legal. The current legal framework. So the employment relationship is subject to a vast number of regulations and laws. So over the years, the government's established a legal framework by which employers and employees are encouraged to coexist together. Through numerous laws and the involvement of government organisation, the employment relationship is influenced by this key area of the business's external environment. The employment contract. So in the Australian workforce, this is something that's between an employer and their employee. Many of the conditions within this are controlled by state and federal laws, and these conditions apply to all workplaces. So the growth of things like outsourcing and self-employment means the traditional definition of an employee has changed. They're no longer someone that an individual offers his or her labour to a business in return for payment. Common law, the rights and obligations of employers and employees. So the relationship is subject to a vast degree of government regulation, which doesn't just impact the wage negotiation and determination, but also on different issues which affect the day-to-day operations of the business. So this could be recruitment, workplace disputes and WHS. So minimum wage rates. Well, minimum wages are an employee's minimum rate of pay for hours worked. So the minimum wage received by employees in the national workplace are reviewed by the Fair Work Commission every single year. And the Fair Work Commission is responsible for ensuring that employers and employees cannot agree to a rate of pay that is less than the applicable minimum wage. Awards. So an award is a legal document outlining the minimum wages and working conditions for any employees that work in a specific industry. So they apply to all the businesses within that industry and they remain in force unless they're varied or cancelled. And this has got to be done by agreement among employers, employees, Fair Work Commission and unions. So awards are generally established through a negotiation between the dominant employers, employer associations and trade unions. Enterprise agreements. So back in 1991, the federal government wanted to encourage workplaces to develop their own wage agreements. So what this has led to is a move away from a system where wage rates and working conditions are determined by a central government authority. So certify agreements, which are also known as enterprise agreements, are exclusive to a business and its employees. 
So although a union may become involved in the negotiation, employees can also form their own work-based committees to represent staff in these negotiations. Despite this, the agreement must be approved by a majority of staff and employers must in no way have forced employees to accept the terms and conditions of the new agreement. Types of employment contracts. So there's four types of employment contract. Part-time, permanent, casual, fixed term. So starting with part-time, that involves an employee that works a fixed set of hours per week, but usually less than those of a full-time employee. So you, this may be you, and you may choose to work additional hours each week. So part-time employees may be entitled to all the benefits of full-time staff, so sick, annual leave, holiday loading, meal and uniform allowances. The next is permanent employment. So an impermanent employee is a person who's provided with continuing employment within the organisation. So generally this will focus on between 35 and 40 hours a week, but this depends on your wage agreement. You may also be requested to work more hours than this, so it's not always fixed. Next is casual employment. So casual employees are generally employed by a business for a short period of time. Although they must work for a minimum of between one to three shifts, the regularity of their employment is based on the employer's demands. And finally, fixed term contracts. So these are used by businesses that require the use of labour for only a specific period of time. So both parties would agree to this and the contract can only be altered with the consent of both parties. Occupational health and safety and workers' compensation. So stats show that every day in Australia at least one person dies from a work-related injury. The safety of employees is so important and that's why the Work Health and Safety Act in 2011 establishes the rights and responsibilities of both employers and employees in regard to safety in the workplace. So bosses must provide staff with a safe workplace and try to minimise any potential risk that may arise. The Workers' Compensation Act and the Workplace Injury Management and Workers' Compensation Act 1998 they govern the process of employees trying to gain financial compensation for any injuries sustained at work and subsequently their return to work. Anti-discrimination legislation. So there's various anti-discrimination laws that stop discrimination or try and prohibit it in the workplace. This could be on the grounds of gender, ethnicity, sexual preference, disability, religion. So these legislations include the Sex Discrimination Act 1984, the Racial Discrimination Act 1975, and the Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission Act 1986. This also includes the Disability Discrimination Act 1992. Economic. So the economic cycle is very significant. The level of economic activity in an economy is determined by the level of consumer and business spending within a given period of time and is a significant influence on the size of the Australian workforce. The impact of inflation is also significant. So consider the following scenario. Consumer confidence is growing in an economy, which is reflected by an increase in consumer spending. As demand for goods increases, businesses would respond by increasing levels of output and production. So some goods, however, would take longer to produce. So the demand for these products may see consumers wanting to pay a higher price for them. And as the prices rise, the cost of living also increases. 
During these periods of wage negotiations, employees will obviously seek higher wages from their employer to compensate for that. When these wages go up, this will increase the cost of production, and therefore that would result in a business maybe reducing the size of its workforce, and then the remaining staff would have an additional workload. Globalisation refers to the integration of the world's economies into a single market where goods and services are easily traded. So many of the clothes you may wear would be made in foreign countries and many of the products you use every day are produced and supplied by large foreign-owned businesses. So in the last, say, 20 years, Australian businesses faced increased competition from these foreign businesses. The government would encourage foreign-owned businesses to establish their operations in Australia, which provide consumers a greater choice and lower prices. So while these businesses may employ Australian staff, the impact on this increased competition has seen many Australian-owned businesses suffer. Workers may be retrenched if they're not needed anymore, operations may be outsourced to another country, and the challenge of managing a multicultural workforce for employment relation managers can be significant as well. Technological. So the growing influence of technology over all aspects of the operations of a business is much clearer. So while technology seeks to improve the quality of products and the efficiency with how they're produced, it has a huge impact on the labour force. So two positive impacts of technology on HR would be that it allows the business to develop more efficient production and encourages the employee to deliver the product or service in new and improved ways. Two of the negative aspects of technology and HR, however, are there's a loss of employment as technology becomes the main tool of production and there's a lot of employee resistance to change as the workforce becomes reluctant to learning the use of new technologies. Social. So the two major social influences are changing work patterns and living standards. So for changing work patterns, the way in which Australians work has changed a lot in the last decade. So women would now account for a greater proportion of the Australian workforce. But despite that, women are still underrepresented on the boards of directors in many of the businesses. So with more participation of women in the workforce, this has coincided with the growth in the part-time sector. With increased growth in retail, hospitality and education, more Australians have the opportunity to enjoy the flexibility of part-time or casual employment. Developments in technology have led to decline in employment in Australia's manufacturing sector. So there are fewer unskilled jobs available within the market and businesses are a lot more willing to introduce low-cost technological production methods. So the traditional hours of work from 9am to 5pm have also begun to disappear. Many people have worked from home, the growth of the hospitality sector and the emergence of call centres have seen significant changes. So with living standards, Education is a key factor which influences an individual's occupation. So people who are less educated, who may lack skills and qualifications, generally would be employed in industry with wage rates that are considered to be low. So many may be scared to challenge their employees for fear of losing their jobs. So many of the jobs may be low skilled and not have a lot of power attached to them. So a factory type job. And as a result, there's a big disparity, particularly in Sydney, between living standards right across the community. Ethics and corporate social responsibility. So among the business community, it's recognised that if you're a good corporate citizen, that's a company that would make lasting contributions to the community. This would encourage businesses considering social, economic, environmental concerns within its operations, its decision making. And while shareholders are important, 
The businesses must also consider the interests of all stakeholders. They include employees, customers, suppliers, community organisations and local communities. So the way a business can focus on CSR is they may invest in a community project, support an initiative within research, introduce a WHS measure, adopt environmentally friendly practices or apply a code of ethics. So an example at the moment is what's happening with Woolworths and Coles with getting rid of plastic bags. Corporate social responsibility can also influence how employees view their organisation. So some strategies to promote CSR in a workforce include promoting affirmative action and anti-discrimination, reducing the business's impact on the environment, promoting work-life balance and encouraging staff to volunteer in community building activities. And that concludes today's episode. Many thanks for listening and I hope you found it useful. If you have any questions, please get in touch through the Anchor app and I will answer in the next podcast as soon as I can. Bye.